Hello and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 65. This week my guest is Dare Delano and she'll be telling us about her new book. We'll be talking about social media and how to get it done and uh, lots of other things to do with the writing process and uh, her next work in progress. So, um, at my desk this week, well, I'm actually not at my desk this week. I'm on holiday. Uh, we've taken a week in Cornwall. And uh, it's been a really busy couple of weeks because I was doing the last edits before I sent uh, my second book of the Midwich Trilogy to my editor. And I really, really, really worked hard in order to get this done and actually sent out to her. Now, I think the thing about writing edits, well, not writing edits, but doing the edits of a book is... I think you can go on and on and on with it and then kind of think, oh, I kind of wish I hadn't, you know, I wish I'd done more. You always feel like it's never finished. You always feel like you want to do more with it. And and I think sometimes you can actually do too much. So I think it's quite nice to kind of draw a line in the sand and think, well, this is it. I'm going to send it to her before I go on holiday because I don't want it on my mind when I'm away and I certainly don't want to be faffing around editing and worrying about it and feeling that I need to get it sent off to her either while I'm on holiday or when I get back. And uh, so, you know, I did sort of press on with it. And um, did I feel that I could have done more? Yes, absolutely. But I think that's just part of how it is to be a writer. I don't think you're ever really satisfied. And I think you get to a point where you just kind of moving commas around, fiddling about. And it's almost like you're too close. You don't see it anymore. You've made the big changes. You've done the things that you knew needed fixing within the within the storyline and stuff like that. And you've had a few little tweaks and looked after the details. But then you kind of get to a point where you know that you can't go on anymore and it needs to go to the editor. And you must stop faffing with it because I think you actually get to a point where you're making it worse. Anyway, so I'm not at my desk this week, but obviously here I am sitting here editing a podcast. Now, I have a little laptop here. It's a little Mac. It's a very tiny thing. It's almost a bit small, really, and I wished I'd had the money when I bought it to buy a bigger model. But it's very good for kind of dragging around with you. And if I'm on holiday, this is the computer that I take with me. And uh, so I had a couple of podcasts here that needed editing. And I know I'm going to need one. We're back from holiday on Friday. And obviously, I will need a podcast to go out on the Monday. I mean, I've got some here that need editing as well. So I thought I'd just quickly have a listen to um, Dare Delana, which has been a lovely listen. And I think you'll enjoy listening to her. And um and it's, it's easy enough. I can do this on the Mac. Um, so I do apologise for the sound quality because I didn't bring on my microphone. So I'm just recording this, you know, off the speakers that are here on the computer. But I don't think it'll be too bad. So that's me at, sort of not at my desk. Uh, what, else am I, what else am I doing not at my desk? Well, for me, I can never really put the writing aside. It's always on my mind. I'm always thinking about the next thing I want to write create all the thing that I'm working on so no I I don't ever come around come away with with nothing I always kind of bring a little kind of mobile office with me in my handbag <laughs> and, uh, and so obviously I've got this little laptop uh, so what have I been doing well I've been planning um, the book three for the trilogy uh, and I kind of obviously obviously having just finished the other one I know exactly how the storyline moves on and what I want to do but I like to make a, a, a good skeleton plan in order to move on with that story and I'm kind of thinking very carefully about you know I'm looking back at my notes from book two and I'm thinking very carefully about the story beats I want to hit you know and what I want my character to achieve in this last book of the Midwich trilogy so I've been really enjoying that and I quite like that process so at the moment I've made notes um, you know just notes in a notebook and um, I'd sort of put the plot points down and that's been great uh, but over the next couple of days I'll probably get in here and I use uh, Scrivener 
for the planning. I don't write in Scrivener because I'm I'm kind of a word processing word. You know, uh, I, I prefer the Microsoft. Oh, do I prefer it? I'm just used to it. I'm used to the Microsoft. Um, so I'll 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 plan in here. And sometimes I have both computers open. I have the little Mac here, and I use that corkboard thing on the Scrivener, and I'll put my story story beats in, and uh, and I'll make some little notes in there. And I'll have a little fiddle about and any little ideas that come to me. And it's a good time to do planning. I've often done this when I'm on holiday, uh, where I'm kind of wandering around. You're taking, going for lots of long dog walks and, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of chilling. There's no housework to do and you're kind of faffing about, having long lunches, a bit of a lion, you know, watching a bit more telly, reading a book, you know, at, you know, actually just reading for pleasure, which is great. And it kind of gives your mind a rest and it's a good idea for, it's a good time for creativity when you're kind of thinking about a new thing and you're you're kind of not actually started it yet but you're just planning it and thinking a lot lots of little bits and pieces and things keep popping into my mind and I'm kind of making notes and I'm kind of really enjoying that you know that that new creative process so so that's me so yeah so obviously I keep up with the social media as best I can but I'm not on it quite as much as I would be normally and uh, and I'm planning book three of the Midwich so happy days right come meet Dad Alana know you're going to love her she's such a nice woman on the words and pictures podcast my guest this week is Dad Alana she writes literary fiction and middle grade uh, she's an award-winning fiction and middle grade writer and her literary novel for fiction and adults is out now so tell me about your upcoming book well, thank you so much uh, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, and my upcoming book is called Abilene. Um, as you mentioned, it's Southern literary fiction. It's um, a little bit of a mystery, a little bit of a love story, and it's told from three different perspectives. Um, Len, who's a 12-year-old girl growing up uh, on a ranch in Texas, and she's searching for the father who left before she was born. She's never known her father. It's also a story told from Len's mother's perspective. Her name is Cora, and really hers is a story of um, long lost love. Her uh, The love of her life left her before he even knew she was pregnant, and she never has known why, and that's sort of the, the mystery at the heart of the novel. And then the third perspective is of Jean, who's related to them by marriage, and she's in jail for shooting her husband after she finds him with another woman. So there's a lot going oh, on. In oh, I like, I like the sound of that. That's a, a bit yeah. of a crime of passion. Did she do it? Did she not? I want, I'm wondering now. Yeah. yeah. So, so all quite strong female characters there of different ages, which is interesting, I think. Uh, and and um, which was the easiest to write or do you find you can get into anybody's head? Well, you know, for me, it's um, the process of writing from that really close. I wrote two of the um, perspectives from the first person and the other I wrote in the third person, but a very close in third. And, you know, what I find is when I'm writing something like that, I really try to get into the head of the narrator. And it's kind of the process of I think it's similar to how an actor gets into character when they're, you know, going to be in a in playing a, a certain character and they try to understand the backstory and really so for Jean's perspective for example um hers is a difficult story there's emotional abuse in her marriage um she's a quite troubled character and so to kind of get into her head um I had to be in the right state sort of emotionally and I had to do a lot of emotional work a lot of research to really get into her head to tell her story in an authentic way yeah yeah and I, I think you have to 
I think you have to really get yourself in the zone for all these different things, don't you? Um, yes. Uh, what do you do to help yourself get into that place so that you're within each degree? Do you, do you write? No, hold on a minute. That's, hold, that, hold that thought. Okay. Uh, well, the other thing I want to ask you is, and I think this question comes first, is do you write each character? Because I, I used to write a lot of um, dark fiction, um, like mm. dark fantasy, where they have multiple points of view, multiple characters. And I find it was easier to write one character and then slot it through into the storyline and write that for a couple of weeks and then go and then do the thing? Or do you just write the storyline and write each character as they come? Right. That's that's a great question because I actually uh, did it a little bit you messy. tried it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 I did try it both ways. At first, I was just trying to write the story and intertwine all these perspectives in one kind of magical fell swoop. And I realized it didn't it was very difficult to do it that way. So I went back and did what you um, just mentioned, whereas I took one character and wrote that storyline through and took another character and wrote that storyline through and then weaved them together and sort of tweaked each storyline so that it made sense uh, together in the way because they are. I also jump times a little bit because I go from um, what is present day in the novel, which is actually early 2000s um, to the late um, 1980s with Cora falling in love yeah yeah so so yeah so I think I think it's interesting to to do that I like you say I've done it both ways well sometimes sometimes you sit down and you're you're kind of more in the story storyline if you see what I mean and so you can go yes. one character the next character because that kind of works in another time you just have to stay in that one character's head in order to to uh, uh, make yourself believe it, I think. Because I think if you don't believe it, the writer, the reader doesn't. I think you have Absolutely. to really be there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you're yeah. writing about the little girl, the mm-hmm. the young girl, now how old is she? She's 12, you say? She's 12. Yeah. Okay. So so it, do, do you think she's got a lot of you as a child in there? Or do you think? A, a bit. I mean, she's a very precocious 12-year-old. So she's 12, but she comes I'm sure across. you were nice. You were very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that wasn't me at all. <laughs> <laughs> she was fun to write. She's got a little bit of a um a little bit of a gift. She can sometimes see things before they happen. She has these sort of blackout visions, and it's a vision that leads her to find her father eventually. So yeah. that's kind of that was fun to sprinkle that magic in. But you asked me before which character was the most fun to write. And I will have to say it was actually Cora, Len's mother, because she um falls in love in the 1980s, in the late 1980s, when she is a college student. And so I probably put my the most of myself into her character. And it was really fun for me to kind of go back and revisit that time in my life with, you know, she's kind of a club kid in the 80s. She goes to dance clubs. She, you know, of course, I never did this, but she takes recreational drugs. She she kind of has a really um, kind of crazy lifestyle. And it's, it was very fun to kind of go visit back and visit that, that time period um, and just write about it in her character. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's interesting... Um how much you can bring i think all characters have a bit of yourself in them even even, even the bad guys you know you have, I agree. you can't you can't help but it's you know uh, yeah i i'd like to think i mean they, i mean at the end of the day they all come out of your head haven't they so you and out of your heart so you it's it's a bit of you a bit of you there but it's interesting to see where where the story takes you so so uh, Ab- abeline abeline the book it's abeline 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 abeline, abeline. abeline. so why is it called abeline 
Well, it's just the name of a small town in Texas. And, oh, cool. Um, yeah. So that's where they live is Abilene, Texas. Yeah. And then is that a real place? See, I'm, I'm here in the south of England. I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> you might never I've heard have been of, Texas. Uh, heard of Texas, heard of Texas, but I haven't heard. I haven't, uh, I haven't heard of Abilene. Yeah. Right. Well, so, I... Um, I went to school in Dallas. I went to college in Dallas. I, um, I'm from the South, but I'm from Virginia, actually, um, which is a different part of the South. I know not being in the States, but there are very, very uh, drastic differences in, in parts of the Southern States. But but I um, spent a lot of time in Texas when I was in college, and I did spend a, a couple of weekends in Dallas, which, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, in Abilene, which is just a small town kind of, you know, yeah. small town life. So, yeah. Yeah, so so it's kind of so so it, when you're in that kind of very small place, you know, everybody knows what's going on and that and that kind of thing. So it is quite interesting to yes, it's odd because I've just written a book which I've set in a little village in England, which doesn't exist, but you'd think it exists if you lived in England. You think, oh, I think uh, I've been there because it's got like all the things that you'd have, and right. um, and I found it quite interesting having written big sweeping epic fantasy where that went across continents and across across times and lasted yeah. years you know it was very it was very interesting to write something which was much more akin to my own life where where you've just got this very very small um right. you know uh this kind of close community and you can kind of feel the curtains twitching and everybody sort of knows what's going on and it was it was a whole different mindset to write that and and, and great fun as well yeah 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 because it seems more personal somehow doesn't it yeah. And one thing about those small towns is you have people who have known each other for their whole entire life and probably known the family who lived there before them. Um, so you you have kind of sort of a, an interaction between people that is a little bit different than life in the big city, you know, because yeah. everyone knows each other. Yeah. I think now you see there's a, there's a marked difference between your small town and my small town. I think if we read each other's books, we'd see that. Now, the thing is with England, we're not as friendly. There's no getting away from it. We are not as friendly. Now, you, you get into the States and everybody's great and they welcome you in and blah, blah, blah. Whereas I've I've lived in this, I've lived in this road for 35 years. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell you everybody that lives here. I know mm-hmm. more or less everybody by sight. Right. I know some of their names. I kind of know them. I, some of the, I, I'm, I'm very close to a couple of families, but the other people are sort of just on the periphery. And I think you get that a lot in England. I think we're very, um, I don't know, we're closed off. It's, it's how we are, you know. It's, it's very, very strange. Whereas, and I always love it when you go to the States or anything because everybody's just so, why? <laughs> and it's so different <laughs> to how we are because we're all, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, so and I think it's I think in the south, especially as the south, the south is very known for you know the southern hospitality. So people are gonna if you it, you're gonna know your neighbors, you're gonna bring your neighbors casseroles and baked goods, and um, there's no getting around that. I think in the south, which is also I think a really kind of fun aspect yeah. to bring. To yeah, and I think I think it's fascinating because in in England you'd say um, now there's a lady, the couple of ladies live up the road, and I've, I've often I've asked asked them often for coming for coffee. And I said, oh, you know, come, come for coffee, pop in, knock on my door. No, no, absolutely not. We just wouldn't do it. We say it, but we don't. And right. it's like it would be rude. We we feel that we're being rude if we actually take some. Well, if somebody said that in America, 
Sure. You know, or you, or your neighbour was an, was an American, and you said, "Oh, pop in." They would, they pop in. They would, yeah. They wouldn't think anything You know, and they'd ask you back, and they'd mean it. You know, whereas right. we, we don't quite mean it. It's very it's very complicated. You know, right. That's <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole world. It's a whole other book in there, I think. So, is this a standalone a standalone book, or has it? Yeah. Is it? Are you thinking about a sequel? Yeah, no, this is pretty much a standard uh, standalone novel. It has um, a resolution. I don't see it going forward. It's not um, sort of a, you know, a big, large storyline that would keep going forward, but it is, it is about generations. And so there are characters that I um, love very much and that I would love to revisit at some time. So I, I wouldn't say, you know, I'll never revisit them again, but um it's not intended to be a series. Yes. So, so what are you writing next? What's well, your, your um, progress? <laughs> so I have um, started and put away about three different novels since Abilene was finished. <laughs> and um, they all, for some reason, kind of haven't worked once I got to a certain point. So I am very excited about the next one that I'm working on. It is... Um, it is, again, has some similarities in that it's set in the South. It's also a little bit of a mystery, a little bit of a love story. But I want to be careful about talking too much about it because with the last three projects that I sort of got to a certain point and had to put away, I talked about them a lot. I talked about the characters and who they were. And then once I put them away, I felt like I really shouldn't have shared all that yet. So I, I'm being a little bit superstitious where I don't yet want to talk about um, my next adult novel, but I can tell you about the next middle grade novel that I've um, been working on because I've completed that and my agent actually um, has just sent it back to me for a rewrite and then we're hopefully um, try to get a publisher for that. And that is actually, um, it's a historical um, slash fantasy slash uh, time travel novel about um, a young Queen Elizabeth I who um, was sent through a portal um, accidentally and ended up uh, growing up in um, a very small town in Idaho um, until she uh, is 15 years old. And then uh, things happen. She has, she gets sent back. She has to learn how to um, act in <laughs> her own time frame in the 16th century and um, learn how to become queen of England. So it, that's been very fun to write. It's yeah, that um, sounds, that sounds brilliant. I, I, yeah. I think, I think probably the, a lot of, a lot of the uh, royal family could do with living in America and loosening up a bit. <laughs> What a good idea. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, I started writing that one during the pandemic because um, Abilene, I was finishing up Abilene, but it has some very serious themes. You know, the Jean's storyline has to do with emotional abuse and, and there's some very heavy um, sort of emotionally impactful um, parts to write. And during the pandemic, I just needed a break. You know, I just wanted to write something purely for fun and kind of escapism and fantasy. And so that's when I started writing this um, Elizabeth, the mm. story about Elizabeth, and that was very fun to write. Mm. So I'm excited about that one. Yeah. How do you find it? Do you keep them all under your own, under the one name, under the De Delano? Yes, I do yeah. uh, for now. Um, yeah. So you don't have different pen names. Um, how do you find... Um, see, I also write for children under a different name um, oh, okay. because my books are a bit gritty in the in the adult thing so I don't like the thing, two things to cross over so I keep them separate right. but I find it really hard having two genres because uh I always neglect one I'm, I'm really I'm really the, the children's stuff just sits there and it, it ticks over but really if I had time to kind of do something with it 
it would yeah. it would be fine but do you find do you find that really hard to sort of split yourself between the two genres or well, are you doing it are you, are you managing better than me <laughs> no I, I'm not I'm, I wouldn't say that at all I time is always a challenge I think for yeah. for most writers um and a particularly you know I, I still have a day job because I I don't make enough uh money in my writing to um to not have a day job so I'm I have a pretty demanding day job and I write during my I'm using air quotes <laughs> even though you can't see me on uh, my my spare time um so is time is definitely a challenge but I actually enjoy having two very different things to work on because I find that sometimes when I'm writing one of those and I hit a roadblock and I'm not going to say I'm not going to say writer's block because I truly don't believe in writer's block. I think when you can't write the words, it just means you have to do some deep thinking about your story and your characters and where things are going. And I still think that's very much the work of writing, even though you're not putting the words on the paper. So, mm. but when I, when I, when I hit a point like that and I can't put the words on the paper for that story, but I'm still thinking about it in my head, I can then turn to the other thing that I'm working on. And if it's in a different genre, it sort of frees me up a little bit. And to focus on that for a little bit, I actually find it's helpful um, as a bit of a break to come back to the other one. So for, so for me, I, I like to have two projects going at, a, at the same time. I'm sure it makes me much uh, slower to get work actually out the door um, and mm. finished because I'm, you know, splitting my time between those two things. So maybe it's not the best, but it seems to work for me. Okay. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm the other way. I find I can, I, I'm, I'm either completely on this project, whatever mm. that project might be. And then I kind of bring that to the close and then, and then I'll start and do whatever the next thing is I want to do. But uh, I find it's bad enough just splitting my time between the actual writing and the marketing so I I tend to sort of do all my marketing email stuff, blah, 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 social media and all that kind of thing in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I try and get on with the creativity part of it because I'm not a morning person. So I get mm-hmm. the stuff that I I mean, I don't mind the marketing, um, but but I find I can't I can't put my brain into two different things. I couldn't do like if I'm doing artwork because I illustrate my own stuff. Right. If I'm in, in art mode. I'm in art mode and I'll stay like that until I've finished whatever it is, the book I'm illustrating, the book cover I'm making, and I'll do that. And then I'll go back into writing mode, but I can't do both. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. make my head do two things. <laughs> One thing right. And I'm a bit like that as a person, you know, if I'm talking to you, I can't also stir the gravy. I'm either talking right. to you, I'm listening or I'm stirring <laughs> the gravy. There's no, there's no in between. You're like people say, oh, women can multicast. Well, I can't. Multitask. Not yeah. at all. It's really strange. Okay. Yeah. My husband says I'm not a normal woman. It's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very strange. It is funny how we've all got, but this is the thing. I come on this podcast, I grab you people to come and have a chat with me. And it's always amazing because everybody's got a different process. Everybody gets it done in a million different ways. And it's always fascinating to hear about it. So are you organized, Dad? Do you get your writing? You know, do you have a a plan? Do you plan it out? Do you try and hit a certain word count every day? Or um, do you wait for news? Well, I try... I, I, there, I can't possibly write every day just the way my life is. I, I would love to. I would love to. And um, in those times where, you know, work and my day job is a little bit slower, I tend to have time during the day to write. But I mostly will write on weekends, sometimes in the evenings. Um, and I have periods of time where I have 
you know, if I have something that I feel is really going and I know where the plot is going and I know what my next scene is going to be, those are the times when I try to hit, you know, a thousand words a day if I can. Um, that's a good goal for me in those times where I'm feeling, you know, really like I can crank it out. Um, but as I say, a lot of a lot of days I, I can't actually write anything. And in those times, I always try to, like I said, be thinking about the work, be thinking about the characters and um, figuring out the, the tricky bits of the plot details and um, where, thing, where, where things are going to go um, so that when I do get the time to sit at the keyboard and, and tap out the words, I know what I'm doing. Um, but I'm, I'm, I would not call myself organized when it comes to my writing. I try to have a plan. I try to have an outline. Um, but I typically do sort of a combination of, of um, just letting things go as I'm in a writing session and having an actual plot. So I like to start a story. I typically won't let myself actually start writing a novel until I at least have kind of the three points, a beginning, a middle and an end. And I know what those are. Yeah. Those can change as I'm writing it, but I like to have a, a place that I'm working towards when I write. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I, I have, um, I have a funny plan. I like to know how many words I intend to write overall. And I, mm -hmm. I plan that out and then I, I, I put the story beats through so that I know where oh, they're yes. going to hit. I'm a bit like that. And then, right. uh, but then I don't really do scene by scene. I just, the, the rest of it just sort of happens really. And a lot of the time when I'm writing, it's only when I sit down and get going that it really comes together and it's there. Yeah. You know? But it is always there. So I think I, I click it over in my head the whole time when I'm not actually yeah. at my desk, you know, you know, especially right, exactly. walking the dog or whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Walking and driving, those things can really help. All and of that. Yeah. Then I find actually when I get to a point where I'm feeling a little overwhelmed and I'm not organized in the manuscript, I actually do a little sort of backwards outlining where I'll actually then sit down and outline what my scenes are and then tweak them around a little bit to have them make a little more sense and try to organize it a little better. But I, I tend to get a messy draft um, first before I do the organizational bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've just got to get the, get the, get the creativity out there and get it, get it sorted. Cause you can always sort it out afterwards. I think people sometimes get caught new writers. I find get caught up in the, in the first chapter yes. and the first book they've ever written they keep on faffing about yes. it where actually you need to write the book you know edit the book get somebody else to edit the book yes publish the book write the next book and you'll learn more next. about writing in that process if you just write the next thing because so suddenly suddenly you're beginning to have a process that works for you and also yes. you begin to um I think now I'm an old writer I've been doing this a long time so I I think you um, the more you do, the more you begin to trust your own process. You know what works for you. You know, I, I know when I'm lying in the garden in a deck chair, <laughs> looking at the clouds, sometimes yeah. that's what writing looks like to me. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's what I need to do. I just need to lie quietly in a room and just let the muse right i need to, need to mull it over you know it might not look like i'm doing any work but yeah, actually actually i really true. am because i just need to give my head space yes you know, where i'm not battling out on the on the typewriter i'm just having a i'm just having a muse i'm just having a think and sometimes yeah that's what you need. it helps so much to to mm. put it aside for a little bit and, yeah. and think about it but and whenever i get stuck i just try to tell myself that i need to write a really really bad first draft because yes. if because yeah. i get stuck and and that's um, it's so hard to feel like oh, I can't start writing because I don't know what I'm writing. So I just 
try to start and if I'm stuck in a session and I have time to write, but I, I'm not feeling like I'm getting anywhere, I just don't worry about how good it is. And I just crank it out there. And then eventually some piece of that might be good. Mm. Yeah, because you don't have to keep it all. It's absolutely fine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so never mind all that. What do you drink? What are you writing? Tea or coffee? <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> Me too. Yes, I will. We're agreed on that. We can move on. To that yes. Question. Excellent. And, and then uh, for the late for the late night sessions, if I'm you know trying to keep myself awake and work a late night, I'll sometimes have a little bit of a a little bit of Ben and Jerry's. I don't know if you have Ben and Jerry's over there, but we do. Uh, yes. I, I, yeah. yeah. A little, yeah. A little, probably too much Ben and Jerry's in the evening to help help me keep going. Yeah, yeah. I, I eat chocolate. I've got lactose intolerance, but I've always got. In fact, there's probably some under my desk here. There's like a little, <laughs> there's a little shelf here, and it's always there's a little, was a little secret packet of chocolate buttons, yeah. which is my chocolate of choice. And I don't eat a lot of it. I probably just need a little bit. But sometimes you just yeah. need that that hit of sweetness, don't you, with that coffee? Yes, definitely. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, and what about your desk, Dyer? Is your desk really? You see, I'm now. I always see people in the back of what the room where they're sitting, and I'm always thinking, okay, so what does the bit that I can't see look like? Yeah, is your desk really tidy? Have you got strange things on it? Do you have well, to have so, something near you to to keep you going? Yeah, I actually, I um, I don't have. This is kind of strange, but I don't have a designated writing desk at the moment, mm. which is a little bit odd and strange for me because I always kind of have in the past, but I just. Don't at the moment. I um I have my laptop and I will either go sit in my living room, which is a space that I really feel comfortable in. And I just have kind of created to have it make it feel comfortable to me. I'll sit at the kitchen table and write. I think when my kids were young, I got used to just kind of writing wherever I was. And I had to get past the idea of having a certain space and having time and having to be quiet. I, I would love to have those things, but um I got very used to just, you know, writing on the back of a whatever was you know my my daughter's second grade you know notebook or something um with a hello kitty pen when you because that's all I had around so so I try to be pretty portable um and really all I need uh is is my laptop um maybe maybe a notebook uh, so I can make some handwritten scratches on it yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's a good attitude to have, and I and I know when my kids were young, they're all grown up ladies now, but uh, when they were young, um, I wrote a lot in the car, um, and, yes. and the car I used to call it my mobile office, and I just had everything yeah. I needed in the car, and then when I dropped them off to, they were both musical, and one of them did theatre as well, so mm-hmm. I would drop them off to the violin lessons or the orchestra practice or the whatever it was the drama lesson and then I would just sit in the car park, I wouldn't drive back home again, I would stay, and we live in the middle of nowhere, so. So I wouldn't waste that 45 minutes driving back because I thought that's writing time. So I would wait for them to do their class, which was like a couple of hours. And then I didn't waste the writing time. And I'd take a glass of coffee with me. And then I would just write in the car. And I and I did it for years and years. I wrote three books, I think, in the car. Yeah. You know? And it was fine. Yeah. I mean, I have got a nice little office now, which was right. their playroom. And then when they left, I thought, do you know what? I'm having that room back. <laughs> and they finally when the last one went to uni I thought hmm. and I just sort of emptied all their stuff out and thought and now I'm having a writing room so so I have got all my bits and pieces around me but that's nice yes and I think it's nice when you when you can, can do that but also like you say you know all you really need is a laptop and some headphones and and, and a bit of space yeah. yeah yeah and it's funny because I know a lot of people think oh I want to 
have a big, you know, as beautiful space. I want to be writing outside and have a beautiful view. And for me, honestly, my favorite writing space is like a room with no view and a, I don't care what it looks like. And as long as I have a coffee machine, <laughs> you know, a coffee maker and some half and half and my laptop, I'm, I'm happy. I actually get a little bit distracted if the view is too beautiful. I'm kind of weird. I don't like to write outside. I like to be kind of holed up in a little hobbit hole writing yes. with nothing yeah. around me and then taking breaks. And then for breaks, I'll go outside and walk and see a beautiful view. But, but when I'm writing, I just like a little cave. Yes, I do as well. Well, this is my little cave in here, um, which is full of rubbish and junk and bookcases. And it's quite a small room. It's with a very high ceiling, oddly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I I like it in here. This is my little space. But, um, you know, there's room outside. I've got chairs and things, but I, I can't get on out there. I think I, I like the idea of it. Sometimes I put the cloth on the table outside and I get all my stuff and the laptop, blah, blah, blah. I never get anything done. It's a waste of time. I'm too busy. Time. I end up playing with a dog and faffing about and looking at the clouds and I just get distracted I need to get you know I need to I need to be in here on my Uh chair with a visor on you know (laughs) getting on with it otherwise you know I'm just I'm just too my brain's just (laughs) woo. yeah yeah I think that's the thing ah well happy days so um so you're pretty good, really. So you're getting it all done while you're while you're you know holding down the big job and all the rest of it. And and I think it's I think it's pretty hard. How do you manage to get your social media and all that kind of thing working for you as well? Because that's very time consuming. Yeah. I mean, the writing's well, bad enough, but that's that's a killer to try and get that done every day. I mean, I do this full time, and I find oh my god, you know. Yeah. Well, I find I, I'm not good at it. I'm that is definitely an area where I'm I, I do not shine. I'm still trying to kind of figure out how to do all that. And, um, uh, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to be able to just hire someone to do it for me. Maybe I'll get to that point eventually. Um, but I'm just, you know, luckily my youngest daughter is 18 and she helps me if I have, you know, don't know how to post something on Instagram or, you know, figure out how to, um, she set up a TikTok account for me. Um, you know, she's helping me with kind of a little bit of the logistical things that I'm figuring out, but it does take time. It really takes time to, to figure out what to post and when and how to do all of that. And I, I don't particularly enjoy self-promotion. So that's hard for me. Um, but it has to be done. And so I just, I'm trying to treat it like a job and schedule. Okay. I'm going to, you know, make these three, um, you know, social media posts in the next few days. And I try to plan it out. I'm not good at it. It's definitely not a strength for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Okay. Well, my, my advice is this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> my, my, advice is this. my advice is this, is be yourself. And don't worry that it has to be some fancy thing. Because what you've got to remember is when you look at social media, it's very quick. You look at something and you flick past. You look at something and you yes. flick past. That's exactly what everybody's doing to you. So it doesn't have to be a perfect picture. And it doesn't have to be a perfect advert. Um, and But what you need to do is be very consistent. So make it your first job in the morning. Get up in the morning. When you're eating your breakfast, get on the social media. Put something up. doesn't matter if it's you and breakfast or you and the notepad or mm-hmm. I can't work today, or I just tell them what you're doing. I can't write today because I've got to work, looking forward to write tomorrow. Here's my cup of coffee. And then on you go. Yeah. Another day when you come in, put a picture of your book cover and say, this is my thing, blah, blah, happy to have this out, work in progress is this, and then on you go. But every day, post, um, make a little post and then and then hop it through into the others. And I find the easiest way to do this is to put it onto Facebook. Mm-hmm. Ask your daughter and your daughter will show you how to... <laughs> 
that the, the, the Facebook will automatically click it into Instagram. Yes. Right? So, yeah. you, so you can do the, the Facebook, the Facebook and click it through into the Instagram. Now, what you can also do is do your TikTok, make your TikTok. And it can just be a picture on TikTok now. It doesn't have to be a video. Right. And right. then and then take the TikTok and put it into Facebook and the Facebook will automatically put it into Instagram. And then you can use the picture again and then flick it into Twitter. So using the same thing, you're just yeah. flicking it through all the social medias. And I often tell authors that the best plan, you, there's a lot of twaddle. In fact, I'm probably going to talk about this on the beginning of the podcast I'm about to produce for tomorrow, is that um, – that a lot of people say, oh, just do one social media and do it really well. No, spread your net really wide, as wide as you can. It doesn't have to uh-huh. be like a major thing. Do you know what I mean? You just do it, but but put it onto lots of things because the more places you can get your book cover out there and let people right. know that you're a writer and this is what you do, they're all your audience. And and uh, that's that's a really good thing. Yeah. Keep it, yeah. Keep it, keep it wide. Think of it as the that's- sea and not a pond. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah, I appreciate that because I am and I'm I'm working I've I've improved <laughs> definitely over the last few months as I'm getting ready for this book to come out. So I just need to keep at it and that's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think just do the first thing in the morning. That's always my first job. I don't do anything else. I make myself a drink. I sit down and get my phone out and I just click through. And sometimes I repost things that I've done before. You don't it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. fresh every day. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be amazing, but it's just, and obviously I go through and I I interact with anybody that's interacted with me or anybody I want to say hello to as well. You know, I do all that. Obviously, it's yeah. not just I don't just put the posts up. I I like to connect. Obviously, I'm a, I'm yeah. I think that's the key. I'm a connecty sort of person. Yes, I do too. For me, yeah. I really I and that's partly out of all of them. I actually enjoy Facebook the most. I do. I love Facebook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's more interactive. I mean, I connect there with people that I have things in common with and I engage in conversations and we have comments back and forth. Whereas with the other, I feel like most, and I do a little bit of, of interacting on Instagram and maybe it's just because I, I'm not as used to it, but I, it's not as interactive. I don't feel no, as connected. No, it's not. No, yeah. no, it's not. It's a visual thing, you know? Yes. So, so yeah. you know, that's definitely the place to put your best picture on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but then again, I wouldn't worry about it too. My Instagram is hopeless. I mean, I get on there and I like people. I always think it's very pretty, but, but, mm-hmm. but really chatting wise, I, I find Facebook has been really nice and, yeah. and, um, you know, I'm a member of a few groups on there and I really like, you know, and I like the thing I like about Facebook is when you get followed by the weirdo, you can <laughs> you can you can yes. block them. You can you delete can block. very easily, and that's really nice as a woman. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm not helpful. I'm not pointing any fingers, but you know what I mean. You know? Oh, definitely. Yes, yeah. that's very yeah. helpful to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I do. So I do find you can get rid of the people that are saying. Oh, your smile. I know I've loved your post so much. You're the most beautiful woman in the world. And I'm like, mate, I'm probably old enough to be your mother. Go yeah. away. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Or the very stock photos of a very distinguished gentleman and that you know, that's yeah. all he has on his profile. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. It's really strange, isn't it? It's, it's so very weird. Strange. Yes, very strange. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So so yes, I do like Facebook for that. But yeah, I think it's I think it's tricky. And of course. Twitter's a funny, uh, TikTok's a funny old game, isn't it? With the whole, um, you know, the whole video thing. And yeah, I have not, that. I have not used it yet. Like I said, my daughter made me an account and we're getting there, but I haven't actually used it yet. So we'll see how that goes. 
Yeah, I, I would just not worry about it. I mean, obviously, I do the podcast. So I'm quite happy to talk, you know, and and it's fine. Um, but but I found when, when it was a video thing, I thought, oh, I don't really want to like to be. And then I once I thought, you know what? Nobody cares. And I just get on there now and go, hi, I'm DJ. And I've written this and blah, blah, blah. Or this is what I'm doing today. And I just don't worry about it too much. And it's and and it's fine. And I think the more normal you are, actually, the better it comes across, really. You know, so I'm sure you'd be absolutely delightful, Dan. I'm going to look out for you going, here I am. Here's my new thing. I see it's exciting. And I think you can just do normal things to just go, you know, here I'm holding my book in my hand for the first time. And it's great, you know, and uh, this is the first time I've seen the print copy or whatever it is you know so right. yeah right. it's good so you publish with a small press yes and and about that's quite nice is it yes it's um it's a very small press um they only publish like a handful of novels I think five or six novels per year yeah. a lot of what they publish is actually poetry um it rather than novels and and it's a publisher that's based in the south um and so they have a lot of southern authors so it, I feel like Abilene fits really well with, um, you know, what they put out. And um, he's, you know, this publisher is very sort of old school. They only do print runs. They don't do print on demand. Um, they much prefer you purchasing from them directly or from small, um, you know, uh, bookstores rather than using Amazon. The book will be available anywhere and through any um you know, anywhere you buy your books, but um, it's better to, you know, buy it through a small book bookstore or independent bookstore or through the publisher. Um, so they really promote that. And it feels good to be there. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's the main thing. You know, if it's working for you and it feels good to be there, that's what it's all about. Right. So, um, uh, Dare Delano, where can people find you online? Well, um, you can always go to my website, which is daredelano.com. It's still pronounced Delano, but it's no no problem. Um, it, daredelano.com. And I actually have all my links to social media right there. Okay, yeah. um, so that's probably the easiest, but every, I'm on everything. And my um, it's always just at daredelano. I don't use anything fancy or different from that. Yeah, that's good. Media. And it's it's a good, it's quite an unusual name. And uh, so people can find you at Daredelano. Brilliant. Well done. Well, thanks for coming on the Words and Pictures podcast, Dare. Eh? It's been lovely to Thank you so you. much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Brilliant. Lovely to talk to Dare about all her writing and uh, our social media and what have you. And wish her lots of luck for her book, which comes out November the 1st. So next week, my guest is Helen Garraway, another lady writer, and we'll be talking all about her work and her writing process and what have you. So, yeah, brilliant stuff. So great. And um, thank you for listening. If you didn't get the show notes uh, on the wherever you pick the podcast up, you can find them on my website, which is uh, www.djbowmansmith.com. And you can also find me as a writer for children on www.tigermolly.com. And... Uh, have a great week and I'll talk to you again next window, next Monday. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.